I am Dr. Lacey Baldivias, and this is the Food as Medicine podcast, sponsored by the Food Bank of Santa Barbara County. I believe that health is a fundamental right, and then we can step our way toward a long and healthful life by paying attention to the food that we put into our bodies every single day. I'm here today with Vibeka Weiland and Randy Miller. They were featured on our last Food is Medicine podcast and were generous enough to spend their time again to create some content about digestion. And they're here today to share with us exactly what they mean by their latest presentation, which was titled The Digestion Connection. So what connections are you referring to specifically? Connections to really just broader health. A lot of people think of digestion and issues as being isolated to the digestive tract and with certain symptoms that, you know, we could all probably name. But there is a bigger connection to health in general of all sorts. So that was why we sort of made the the other tagline of the presentation, the gut is not Las Vegas, um, (laughs) meaning that what happens in the gut does not stay in the gut. And I do have to give full credit for that we didn't make that up. There's a doctor named Alessio Fasano, who is a big celiac researcher on the East Coast, and he coined that term. And I think one of our biggest goals with this particular presentation was for people to understand that symptoms that seem very far removed from the gut, so it could be psoriasis, it could be an autoimmune disease like rheumatoid arthritis, it could be acne, it could be rosacea, it could be migraines, things that seem really far away from your gut because they're not constipation, diarrhea, GERD, can actually tie back to the health of your gut, which is sort of counterintuitive and not how we do things in our culture. Usually we isolate particular symptoms to a particular part of the body. But what we hope to show was that there really is a crossover in terms of your digestive health and your whole body health. What are some of the most common symptoms that you see related to the gut? The classic ones are the digestive ones, and they're like the check engine light coming on in your car. It means you need to look under the hood. Acid reflux, GERD, like Randy mentioned, um, constipation, diarrhea, gas, bloating, the classic digestive symptoms. But like Randy also indicated, they have much broader implications. Almost anything can tie back to the gut. Yeah. And it may not be the only factor, but it very consistently a factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a helpful starting point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So digestion can be a bit of an awkward topic for people. What are the benefits we might expect as a result of paying attention to what our bodies are telling us about our digestion? I mean, I think one interesting thing is that a lot of people suffer from constipation and they don't even know that they're constipated because, like you say, it's a bit awkward to talk about. Mm -hmm. But if someone's not having a bowel movement at least once a day and up to three times a day, but at least once a day, that's considered constipated. So some people will say, oh, I go every two, three days. So if you're not eliminating every day, All the toxins that are coming into your body are not exiting your body, and that can cause problems. Your hormones are detoxified through your bowel movements as well. So if you are not eliminating, your hormones are actually going to get recycled in your body, and that could lead to hormonal imbalances, which can manifest in a whole other host of symptoms that don't seem to be related to the gut. Those are, I guess, just examples of the way the gut 
really affects everything. I think you bring up a really great point too about normal is sometimes defined as relative to your own functionality, but we want to bring it to people's attention that you should be having a bowel movement at least every day. Yeah, and we like to say just because it's common does not mean that it's normal. And there's a great resource that we both like to refer to called the Bristol Stool Chart. And it's actually a way for people to look at their digestion, look at their elimination, and see what it should look like and what it shouldn't look like and what it might mean. So that's a great thing to Google if you're curious. (laughs) Then go online, Google the Bristol Stool Chart, B-R-I-S-T-O-L, and take a look and see what normal elimination looks like. And if yours doesn't look like that, have a conversation with your healthcare provider. Yes, and you do need to be willing to look in the toilet bowl. (laughs) Any other important things to talk about in terms of benefits that people could expect from paying attention to their digestion? There are multiple benefits, but one thing that we did focus on in the presentation was sort of supporting diversity in your microbiome. The microbiome is a huge field of study, and we are still barely at the tip of the iceberg about this. But the way we understand it today is that uh, a hallmark of a healthy microbiome is diversity and cross-functionality that that diversity allows. There might be one species of bacteria that does a certain thing in your body, but there might be a combination of two other species of bacteria that together might be able to accomplish the same thing. So if you have lots of different kinds of microorganisms It's just a more resilient system, right? So if one gets taken out, you might still have those other two guys that could keep you healthy. Via food and eating a diverse array of foods, particularly vegetable matter, plant matter, because different kinds of fiber, although they might not be digestible to us, are what our microbiome needs to survive. That's their food. So diversity, diversity, diversity in all your vegetable and fruit consumption, legumes, grains, if you tolerate them and you prepare them properly, it's all good for the microbiome, which is good for our health. And it kind of brings us back to what we talked about last podcast, and we'll probably talk about in the next podcast, which (laughs) is eat the rainbow. Yes. So, you know, when you're eating something orange, don't just eat oranges, eat orange peppers, look for a variety of foods with that color, eat persimmons, persimmons are in season right now. Those are going to provide you different nutritional profiles and different nutritional needs will be met for different microbiota. So it's not just diversity of colors, though it is, but it's even diversity within each color. Yes. If you have your favorite five or six or seven vegetables that you always eat, consider branching out. And one thing I'm not sure we defined is what exactly is the microbiome or the microbiota? Well, it is that population of microorganisms, and it's not just bacteria. There are yeasts and fungi, um, even some viruses. I mean, it's a, it's a very diverse system. And the microbiota refers to the organisms themselves. Our bodies do not have genes that code for certain proteins that are involved in certain processes because we never needed to develop those genes because our microbes had them and have forever been performing those functions for us. Almost five pounds worth of little microbes in our large intestine. It's like four, four and a half pounds. Yeah. And we walk around with that every day and depend on it. Mm -hmm. And you can't live without them. They they do so much for all areas of health, immune health, digestive health, whole whole health. I mean, 
We talked yes. a lot about the microbiome. So how can we support that? Eat the rainbow and even, you know, diversity, diversity, diversity of plant matter. Digestion is a north to south process. It begins in the brain. Before you even eat, you're, you're in a certain nervous system state. And some states support digestion and some states take away from good digestion. We can label them. But the point being, in this north to south view of everything, your microbiome's kind of at the tail end of things. You know, it's in your large intestine. No pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> um, but you can actually have an impact on its health by thinking about the whole system top to bottom and making sure that things are aligning starting at the beginning and making sure that your brain is in a state where your digestion is going to be optimized. And then working down from there, your mouth, chewing your food thoroughly, just like your grandma always said. And so basically what happens, and, and systems further down have to take on more work if the systems above them didn't do a good job. So you actually stress the later processes if you don't attend to the earlier processes. Right. Well, an example of what Vivek is explaining is when we are stressed out, which most of us are most of the time, we're in something called a sympathetic state, which people have probably heard of fight or flight. So when your body is in that state, your digestive juices aren't flowing, blood is being shunted away from your digestive system. You're not supposed to be digesting when you're stressed. You're supposed to be running, surviving, doing what you need to do. These old things we've been told to do, like calm down, relax, chew, say grace, be present with your food, they sound kind of touchy-feely. But when you get down into the physiology, there's actually a lot happening there. So when you switch from that fight-or-flight mode to a parasympathetic state, which is rest and digest, now your body is literally in a physiological mode where it's letting your gastric juices flow, it's, your enzymes are coming out through your saliva. You're really putting a lot of biological resource into digesting your food. And so same thing with chewing. The more you chew, the more surface area you create, the more access you give enzymes in your mouth, like salivary amylase, to break down your food, the less work your stomach has to do, which is, goes back again to Vibeka's north to south. So if you're not giving your body all that extra support, by the time your food gets down into your small intestine and your colon, it's not going to be very well digested, and you are not going to have the nutrients you need. And then your cells, I mean, we need nutrients for our cells to thrive, right? So if our cells are starving, we're going to have dysfunction at the cellular level, eventually at the tissue level, eventually at the systemic level. And here we are again, the gut is not Las Vegas. So we're going to have symptoms that can show up anywhere in the body because our cells are starving. Are there any lifestyle changes that people might consider making to help digestion and really the whole body? Uh, well, getting back to that sympathetic and parasympathetic state, I, I think it's really important for every individual to figure out their tools for being able to shift out of sympathetic into parasympathetic mode. And for some people, that's meditation. For some people, that's maybe going for a little walk. For some people, that's deep breathing. For some people, it's prayer. But that is top of the list for yeah, me definitely. as far as supporting digestion, the whole process, soup to nuts. Yeah, eliminate the stressors. So don't watch the news while you eat. Yes, you know, good be, point. Don't be on social media while you eat. 
right? Which is sometimes challenging. You know, don't stand over the sink while you eat. When you think of what they used to do, saying grace is actually just a natural way of slowing down, taking a breath, feeling grateful. You're automatically shifting right into a parasympathetic state. And, you know, I've got a friend who says she's she's actually not religious by any means, but she every time she eats, she says a little prayer in her mind, thank you for this food. And just doing that, bringing that gratitude, taking that moment can sort of slow you down and get everything working. And just going back to Randy's uh, reference about, you know, standing over the sink and eating, I myself have been guilty of that many times when I've been in a rush, you know, get a quick bite in your mouth and then run out the door and get your kids from soccer practice or whatever it is. And so one of the tips that we gave is sit down. It's so very basic, but it does shift your physiology in a meaningful way. Um, So sit down, get a plate, get some silverware, maybe even get a cloth napkin and give the meal the respect it deserves because the food is nourishing you. Good food is a blessing every day. And just to sit down, even if it's just for 15 extra seconds and think about that, will shift your physiology into um, a different state. And sometimes I've been in places where I have not had a chair and I will sit on the floor and just make myself sit down before I eat. And it's been very beneficial to me. As you can probably tell, we've got a lot of information to cover on the topic of digestion. So we've decided to keep this conversation going. Join us for part two of this podcast to hear an explanation of issues such as acid reflux and how to support the detoxification of your body through bile. Thanks for listening.